0: Dum do mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hello, friends. It's Stacy. Thank you for joining us. This is the third episode of the Choose Your Own After podcast. I'm kind of excited that I've actually managed to <laughs> figure out a schedule so that we could do this again this week. So today we're going to start off with the format that we're hoping to follow through with for the rest of this series. Um, We are going to interview our first guest. Um, This is someone who I know very well from the moment she was born, actually. We are going to be speaking with my cousin, Michelle. And Michelle, I'll let her tell you how old she is, because I don't know if she'll want to share that. (laughs) But I've known her since she was obviously born. Um, I am the eldest cousin. And we have a a pretty interesting relationship. Um, It's a bit unique in comparison to some of the other relationships I have with cousins. Just because she's kind of um, shadowed my whole life, actually, in one way or another, in positive ways. And she is also one of our writers on our Willow Jack blog, which is why I most wanted to have her join us for this podcast. Um, She's got some interesting stories to share. Uh, Her life has taken some unexpected turns a couple of times along the way. And I think you're really going to get a lot out of speaking with her today. She's got a a really great mindset that um, she's always had with a great sense of humor. And, um, you know, I'll be learning as much as you are today because we have not been um, close together in proximity for the last really I guess it's been almost 10 years. Um, So I'm going to learn a bit new some new things today too as well. So without further ado we are going to meet with Michelle. Hey Michelle.
1: Hello. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty nervous, but I'm excited too.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of excited. We've had a lot of these chats without people listening in. So it's kind of fun to think that people get to hear
0: what we have to say. (laughs) I know. Well, we won't talk about everything that we talk about privately. (laughs) (laughs) But I am a little nervous just because I'm worried that I'm going to slip in the real familiar stuff. So. I'll start by saying that if I call you Mitch, you know that that's going to happen a few times. <laughs> Sorry. I,
1: it is all good. I have what many are all names. Nick-
0: yeah. What are all the nicknames that
1: you go by? So Mitch to my family, my immediate family, uh, Mitchell to my stepkids and my fiance's also adopted that one. And uh, Michelle to mostly people that I know professionally. Got it.
0: And I also have to add that I probably three out of five times that I say your name in my head, I end up singing the Beatles, Michelle, my (laughs) bell, which I'm not going to sing right now. But (laughs) that's the other one. It's not a nickname, but it's a song form. Yeah, I'll spare you. All right. Well, we're going to get right into it. I was uh, just introducing you a minute ago and explained that we were cousins and that we had. A bit of a unique relationship in that um I said you've kind of shadowed my life <laughs> most <laughs> of my life in one way or another and that doesn't mean copied my life but just that you've kind of always been there so I didn't share your age but maybe we'll just start with you um, maybe explaining I guess who you are and where you're where we're chatting from let's start there sure so um,
1: I am 33. I live in Calgary, Alberta. Um, and you couldn't have said it better. I, I don't think I've lived the exact <laughs> life as you, but um, there's definitely differences. But there are probably more things that connect us and tether us together than there are that separate us. And I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> I but I it's just the way it turned out. It's just the way it turned out. Nobody tried to do that. But um, yes, we do have a pretty unique relationship I was um I think you were 13 when I was born (laughs) so oh my gosh I know I just aged you and you're welcome (laughs) and um and so I was that annoying cousin (laughs) that (laughs) showed up on your reading weeks and showed up um kind of everywhere I was
0: well, let's, let's be fair. You didn't show up like you were a kid. So I was the dummy who had nothing to do on reading weeks in university that I was running to my aunt saying, is it okay if I could take my little cousin? <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Yes. You were super kind. <laughs> I, was, I was a loser with nothing
1: to do. That's the truth. Fair enough.
0: Okay. But
1: yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of what our relationship was and so Um, I obviously looked up to you, (laughs) I obviously looked up to you and, um, and, and I think like by accident you were super influential in things that I did and without trying, I just happened to kind of fall into the same
0: sorts of things that you did. Well, I think that, um, the other, the fact is really that I was the oldest and, (laughs) honestly I wonder too if it's because I had a car (laughs) let's be honest (laughs) I had a car so if and if family was always you know it's such an interesting thing to say that the family was really important to me but staying connected with cousins and aunts and uncles has always been important to me and I feel like your parents were a part of that as well although they may not have wanted to be connected necessarily with every single one of us (laughs) they were (laughs) your your mom was really good at back in the day we didn't have the internet and your mom was a great letter writer and honestly I think that that had a big part of it and I'm not kidding because when you were a little girl I would still get letters from your mom um with updates on how you guys were doing when I was at university especially in those you know four or five years um with her little doodles and drawings as well (laughs) and that's also what kind of linked linked us together so this isn't supposed to be about you and I but um (laughs) I I guess the other thing I kind of wanted to ask you is like do you have one kind of defining memory um that defines our relationship
1: oh my gosh I mean I know I know I feel like there are many, but it for some reason, it just always goes back in my brain to going on long car rides, whether that was going for a drive to Waterloo, which was, you know, a couple hours away from Ah. my house, or driving up to the cottage. Um, And then even when we both lived here in Alberta, driving to the mountains and into BC and you driving all the way to grand
0: prairie <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so i feel like it's not it there's no def- like there's no memory Single. but there's just driving i think is what has connected us
0: yeah yeah from, no it's true from day one and for me too, and I think it's it's those long car trips with a lot of music playing. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of music playing. But I, I do have one I have to share. And <laughs> oh, it's not the defining moment. But, you know, so for anyone that doesn't know our story or my story very well, um, I left. We lived in Alberta. And we were there at the same time, you and I, in Calgary until I left in 2012. And uh, I think I came back. It might have been 2014. It could have been 2013 um, that I came back for a visit to Calgary after I had left. And you and I had a little day trip into Banff. And it was the summer. It was the summer months. Oh, (laughs) what's happening? (laughs) I know. (laughs) So it may not have been the summer, but there wasn't snow. (laughs) And we went to Norquay, was it? I think we were. Yep. Yep. Yeah, at the ski hill, and we took the the chairlift up the mountain, and the memory of being on that chairlift, and you being the biggest chicken I've ever heard in my life, and being so loud, and theatrical, and you're screaming, <laughs> that when we got to the top, the ski lift, like, whatever you call him, the the operator, the, the operator was you could tell he was like not impressed by you (laughs) at all (laughs) and every time we stopped dead like it would stop at certain points and we would rock back and forth (laughs) there yeah yeah that's probably one that's a big one for me
1: and luckily for us we recorded it and that's probably I know for sure (laughs) there are three or four people
0: where that's probably
1: their favorite memory too and they weren't even there
0: (laughs) probably well and there was one more this is not memory lane but there's one more and it's um, it's going to the Blue Rodeo concert at Massey Hall we had great seats we had great floor seats and you and I were so pumped and it's (laughs) my all time favorite band I'd say Mm -hmm. and I'm assuming it's in your top if it's not your favorite totally is (laughs) And there was the one song, what song would you say? It was? hasn't hit me yet. Yeah, it was hasn't hit me yet. And you and I jumped up so fast <laughs> when they announced that that song was going to play. <laughs> we danced our butts off. And we looked around and realized no one else was up and dancing. (laughs) But we got the nod. We got the nod. Well, not even a nod. But we got a shout out. Jim Cuddy said, thanks for the dance, ladies. That's right. That's right. That is one of my favorites. And actually, if we had been able to play music in this podcast, that would be the song that I think I would have played. Yeah, it was a good one. All right, well, okay, I'm going to ask you some random questions as well, just to get a little bit of a feel for who you are before we get into some deeper stuff, but sure, I'm curious, Um actually, this might not be as revealing as I want it to be, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check, what's the last TV show that you watched? Oh my god, so, this
1: is so embarrassing, but... but- 90 Day Fiance. Okay, perfect. That's what I was hoping for. Something crafty, <laughs> some reality TV. That's good. That's the only things I watch. It's that or Teen Mom. Like, you oh, can guarantee
0: that I'm watching one or the other. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's good. <laughs> and what's what, what did you have for your last meal?
1: Meal um, meal was a Vietnamese sub.
0: Nice. That's the beauty of living in a real city. I would say, because I don't think that I have that option here where I am. All right. And I guess you told us your age, where you're at, you're currently in Calgary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to know as well, kind of what's your status in life right now? Like, what are you doing for work? What are you, where are you at in your personal life?
1: So um, I guess like the two things that I think most people feel defined by is their family life and their professional life so I would say that I I am a stepmom that's kind of number one <laughs> in my life yeah not because I always make choices around the kids but it just happens to always be
0: <laughs> what it comes down to and, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: Um, and I am a, we are in the middle of figuring out what my job title is going to be. I think it's changed like five times, but I'll summarize it. Yeah. I, I work with a, the best team I'd say in Calgary. Um, I work with a speech path, a behavior analyst and an occupational therapist. Um, and we have a small agency and I'm essentially, the hub
0: <laughs> for
1: yeah. the families so i um i'm somebody that the families can contact when there's issues i hop in when there's some behavioral stuff going on i act as a trainer and a support to the aides i'm kind of like the middleman i guess or like an easy go-to that A coordinator yeah I mean that's I think <laughs> my title something like that's going to be but right. we're
0: still trying to figure out what that's going to be
1: I think it's going to be program coordinator
0: and for anyone who's unfamiliar at all with the world of you know this whole realm of disability how would you kind of define what that agency's role is so not necessarily your job but the actual agency what is it that you guys do
1: So um, we work primarily with people with autism, another connection to you
0: (laughs) and how Mm. I fell
1: into the world um, of autism. But we are, um, the agency basically is a government funded program that offers support to families in the three disciplines that I mentioned, and then some (laughs) um, to help support the families in many different things. So whether that be communication, communication, whether that be behavioral stuff, whether that be um, activities of daily living, um, social skills, kind of right. all-encompassing program. Um, and we, we pride ourselves in, uh, in good attachment, <laughs> healthy attachment, yeah. and in, we're an engagement-based program.
0: Interesting. Gosh, things have changed even since I left Calgary by the sound of it. <laughs> you wouldn't really hear like an agency kind of defined as that because back then it really I feel like the options were floor-based therapy ABA <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and so I think just like I some of ABA. what we
1: some of what we do is I guess like for for people who understand floor-based it's there's a lot of that in it yeah. but it, that's not
0: our program yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that's great that's great yeah all right well um, what I really wanted to get to more than anything, the purpose of this podcast as you know, is we're trying to take a look at the person that we're interviewing and you were selected as you probably know because you were already great right for Willow Jack and kind of the friends and family that I invited to write for Willow Jack were people that I also kind of look to for the example that they've put forward with their the way they've handled their own life through different challenges or the way that you've made decisions and how you've grown after you've made them or you've moved on after you've made them. Um, So what I wanted to ask you is really, if we could kind of look backwards um, work our way backwards to see what moments in your life um, might've been moments where you chose your own after um, as the podcast title implies where you kind of had a choice whether you knew you had a choice or not to kind of you could have been sour and pissy (laughs) or you could have made the best of a situation or you could have you know created a whole new world out of where your circumstances brought you so Mm -hmm. i i really want to see um if you kind of have an idea of how many moments you might say really brought you to where you are now like real Mm -hmm. definitive kind of moments I
1: feel for like (laughs) I'm 33. Like I said, I'm far younger than you, and I feel shut up. (laughs) Really, Uh... but I feel like I've been through so many (laughs) like fork in the road moments that people my age haven't experienced um, at all. But I I would say there's like a good good four
0: four of them. Okay, okay, good four. Yeah. Well. Let's see how we can fit those four in the next, you know, 20 minutes or so. (laughs) So (laughs) what would you say, um, looking backwards, you know, you can kind of lead us off if you want to give us your before, like what was life before your very first moment, and then you can lead us into what that moment was. So
1: before, so are we, sorry, are we talking about like starting from the beginning? From the beginning. Okay. So from the beginning. So I was... 22, carefree, working a um, full-time job at a grocery store (laughs) as a cash office manager. Um, I had just finished university. I was just so happy and bubbly. And um, I had lots of friends. And I was with my high school sweetheart at the time. And things were just so easy
0: yeah <laughs> so yeah.
1: easy and um but I always I've always been kind of a I don't want to say go-getter but like I've always been the type of person that I've always wanted more and so even though I was happy and content in in that carefree life like I always I was a, I romanticize everything <laughs> Yeah <laughs> so Yes. It was like what is bigger? What is better? How can I be better? How can and, I be And and to be
0: fair, and to be fair, I'm I'm interjecting only because I know your life pretty well in those times, but mm-hmm. we we it's kind of like a lot of us are the product of, you know, both of our mothers or sisters. They were from a family of six plus one, seven siblings. Mm -hmm. And of those siblings, you know, I think that we kind of, they had a difficult childhood, difficult upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I think that you and I might be similar in that whether it was conscious or not, we also wanted more. And I think our our families wanted more for us totally um, than what they had achieved as well. So that was kind of instilled in us as well. Right? Totally. And I think that contributes to the go-getter kind of mentality um, for almost all of the cousins, really.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I i mean, m- my earliest memories as a kid at a dinner table with my parents <laughs> is my dad coming home, being exhausted as a, you know, like he always worked in a warehouse. He right. was always a warehouse manager, just exhausted and sweaty. And my mom was a bus driver and there were big moments in my life where my my dad was out of work and my mom was a sole provider, like making 12 grand, 16 grand a year. Right. And so I remember sitting at a, at a dinner table and my parents would talk about, you know, they never talked about if I go to school, it was like, when you go to school,
0: right. (laughs) When you
1: get a job, when you have a career, you know, it was, they never pressured me. They always wanted me to be super happy in whatever it was I did, but I, they, they really wanted yeah and they and they wanted it for me and I saw how hard they struggled and I guess I didn't want that subconsciously
0: right right no that t- makes total sense okay sorry I interrupted you so, <laughs> no life was carefree easy carefree, easy yep
1: okay and um I moved <laughs> to Alberta <laughs> <laughs> I um I was chatting with you you were fairly new to the province and I was talking with you actually outside of my job at the grocery store (laughs) and you said Mitch you know I know you want to get into therapy like why don't you do this out here there are so many other options you have family here I could help you get on your feet and I was like sure but I like to make things exciting and I decided <laughs>
0: Grand
1: Prairie. That I was gonna move my butt to Grand Prairie. Because so it's could... so
0: exciting in Grand Prairie. Oh, Alberta.
1: <laughs> I just I liked the idea of of my ex and I both having a job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that brought me some security. So And you've got to do you got to do your own thing. You weren't following directly in, you know, our path. You you forged no. your own way.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I was 22. I was really freaking young. When I think about that now, even with my, my oldest stepdaughter, she's 23 this year. So it's the same age. And I yeah. could not imagine wa- like yeah. watching her pack her car
0: and go across well, the country. And you hadn't even lived on your own yet well you did in university well, I, a little bit I did in university yeah. and I
1: did I was living basically at my ex's parents place in their basement right. where we kind of did our own thing so yes yeah. but no like <laughs> yeah I didn't know what NMAX was so <laughs> you know I wasn't really prepared but yeah so that was kind of the first defining moment in my life where I forced myself into adulthood
0: that is that's a great way to describe it actually that is what you did because I think that until I left you know until I left the province and moved across the country myself I don't think you really realize how different that is than just moving out of your family home like when when you go to another place where there's no built-in supports um it is a whole other ball game like a whole other ball game especially when you don't have a job that called to you and and brought you there because you're really on your own to start from scratch it kind of gives a little bit of um well a lot of credit could you even imagine like our I'm gonna I'm geeking out here because you know how (laughs) I love my ancestry yeah but (laughs) I just I keep thinking about that and I think imagine people that left other countries to come to Canada no and with I, I nothing couldn't. at all no 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 I cut it I watched the Titanic the other day and I was like <laughs> oh my god seriously I know well and so when you made that leap and when you arrived to Grand Prairie and subsequently, <laughs> you know, it <laughs> came down to Calgary, when you came to your senses and came down to Calgary. Um, six weeks later. <laughs> six <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> was it really that quick? Yeah. I oh
1: had decided gosh. I was moving to Alberta on May 26, oh,
0: 2010.
1: Wow. I packed my car on June 26, 2010. Wow, I was. Is injured. that when
0: you? So I was. I was already there almost five years.
1: Yeah, yeah. You were there okay. for a little while. The boys yeah. were
0: established in their
1: schools and things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I think. And keep in mind too, I wasn't completely green to Calgary and Alberta. Yeah. I had come to visit you for months at a time. Like yeah, yeah. During my summers at school, but um, yeah, I. I had moved I was in Grand Prairie by July 1st, 2010 and I accepted a position to start September 7th, Holy 2010 smokes. in in Calgary. So um yeah, so I it
0: was it was quite the situation. <laughs> it it was it was yeah. well, and so how would you say do you think the real growth of that from that move to adulthood as you say? happened from the move itself or do you think it was more once you settled into calgary I
1: think it was both like i think the first bump <laughs> in adulthood was oh my gosh i'm in an apartment like i don't even know like i don't know anybody yeah. i'm 8 9 hours away from my closest connection um the and, and you hadn't was even hit terrible. the winter yet no like can you imagine
0: if you were there in the winter you would have been so isolated yeah oh
1: yeah and I I literally I think that was why I had to get out like yeah five minutes in and I was like okay we need to find somewhere that has four seasons not two (laughs)
0: um
1: so I would say that my first leap into adulthood was that because I was forced to make decisions that were good for me and for my future and for what what my future could be. Um, And then I would say my second leap into adulthood was settling into Calgary and finding my roots um, and plant, I guess, planting, Planting. planting, and then, and then letting my roots grow.
0: Right. And honestly, that's a big thing because when I think about it, when you made that move, it was pretty monumental, not just because you did it from Ontario to Grand Prairie, but it's the fact that you were not the first, but it, it packed a punch to your friends and family back home. Like people were, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can't believe you're doing this. It's so massive. It's so big. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's also given your kind of circumstances as mine were. There weren't a lot of people in our kind of circles that were doing those types of things. Right. And that is, you know, as, as I don't know how to word this, but it, it takes some humility Mm -hmm. to kind of acknowledge okay you know what this was not the greatest idea you didn't go all (laughs) the way back to Ontario with the Mm -mm. tail between your legs but you still had to tell everybody okay maybe it didn't work out now I'm gonna have to regroup in another city and that takes a lot of guts because that's not easy to do and you have to kind of you know I'm sure I don't remember the details anymore but break leases break agreements for jobs like all the rest of it that's a lot Totally. yeah that's a lot yeah. Oh. It it was, but it, you know
1: what? Like I I feel like um I have really good intuition if I could give myself yeah. credit for anything. I I never felt bad about the choices I was making in that period of time. I felt like it was right. very it was very right for me and I was super lucky because you um had a house. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, but and you weren't going blind. I wasn't. No, and I we were able to kind of get our bearings at your house and We were very grateful for that. That's for
0: sure. You don't have to throw that in, but yeah. (laughs) No, but it's true.
1: It would have been a lot harder, though, had we moved to Calgary and had to get a new place Right. where it was easy just to flop at yours for a little
0: bit. And the truth is, you know, doing a move like that, you don't have kids. No. <laughs> you kind of, worst case scenario, you know, you and Matt would have been, you know, sleeping at the side of the road. a yeah. little Mazda. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. You know, hanging out with the elk and Caribou. But anyway. <laughs> okay, so we'll, what brings you to your next moment, would you say? Diagnosed with ALS. That's For a big sure. one.: It
1: was a big, big, big one. So um, it's funny because I'm like, was getting married big?" No, like <laughs> Yeah, but you have to I mean, I just want to I'll just skip over that period of my life. So 2010, um, my dad was then diagnosed in uh, 2013 right um with ALS and for people who don't know what that is (laughs) Lou Gehrig's (laughs) disease if anyone's more
0: familiar with that
1: yeah it's uh it's a death sentence at the diagnosis so there's there's no treatment it's just how to make the person comfortable until they pass um so that that would was definitely very defining for me
0: and you know just to paint a little bit of a picture um you know the added complexity of that was that you were not living nearby you were not near your father and you know you and your sister are your mother's support among other people and to not be close by while that's happening and Mm -hmm. to want to spend every moment that you can with your Mm -hmm. dad like that's a lot
1: so. And the other part, too, is my dad had um, bulbar ALS, which is which affects your your frontal lobe and it affects your breathing, your swallowing and your talking. Right. Um, and so what started out as slurred speech then turned into being nonverbal. Yeah. Um, and so when you're living across the country and your only mode of a relationship is talking, yeah, I lost my dad, my relationship with my dad very early on in the diagnosis.
0: Yeah. And how what was the timing of everything? I'm trying to remember myself. Like the the slow demise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so diagnosed in July 2013. And there was um,
0: how much time do you think there were of symptoms prior to that without knowing? what was happening. Cause so I remember some well, conversation.
1: Yeah. So right after, so I got married in May, 2012. And yeah. right after the wedding, my dad kept getting what he thought was like this reoccurring strep throat. Right. And I think that it was probably nerves that were being funky that were hurting right. him. Um, but we're not really sure. I'm going to guess a, about a year before okay. the official diagnosis. Um, And then it was just a slow progression. The other part that's really scary with ALS, too, is that um, you don't know what's going to happen. So it could be that he developed like he's unable to talk and and swallow and and breathe well. And then it could turn into now he can't move his arms or legs or very quickly and then he's bedridden luckily for our family my dad was fairly mobile for the most part until the week prior to his passing right um so it it was uh the the diagnosis in july 2013 um he got a gj tube uh the year
0: after and
1: and uh, what is that
0: for people who don't know
1: so my dad was no longer able to swallow and so he was getting tube fed um, so that he could eat, <laughs> right? Right. Um, he wasn't able to obviously take any fluids by mouth either because it was high risk for choking. And um, and then he passed away in May 2015, May 9th, 2015, after his right after his
0: 61st birthday. Now I'm being presumptuous and asking you this because <laughs> I really don't know what you would answer. So. Yeah. When Uncle Paul passed away, the, I would think you call that a defining moment. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. what you would say, how that shaped you afterwards. But I would say that my, this is my, my observation Mm -hmm. is that besides the grief, besides all of the things that you go through with that devastating kind of turn, Mm -hmm. there was something god there was something i feel teary so i don't know how you can tell this (laughs) but there's something so inspiring about watching someone like your dad go through what he was going Mm -hmm. through because your dad had the freaking best outlook (laughs) outlook yes
1: and not just you know i think it was you know so my dad's death was actually not the defining moment it was the illness itself yeah and yeah. it was the most defining actually when my dad passed away. And I've said this to my mom and my sister, I was just so relieved. Like, I yeah. was so, um, I was so happy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: As, as like sick and twisted that sounds, I, I, it was the illness itself just made me so Ugh. mentally ill myself. Like, I was. Yeah my anxiety was like through the roof. I was manic for periods of time. Like it was, it was so, so, so hard for me. Um, but his illness was super defining for me because here I had this dad who he's just been diagnosed with ALS and, and my friends knew about this and my supposedly best friend, says oh my god my boyfriend broke up with me this is this is oh, like four gosh. days after my dad's been diagnosed with ALS and my dad looks at me and he says just because you're going through something doesn't mean that gives you the right to not be a friend
0: right and right.
1: then there's <clears throat> a few minutes few months later and, and we're laughing our butts off and, yeah and my dad was just so happy and um right to the very end and he was so grateful, you know, and he always said like, I'm not going to do the why me because why not me? You know, what about the poor little boy in Africa? Who's never eaten a meal? Like why him? So why not me? You know, right. I, I had, I have an amazing wife. I have amazing kids. I have the life that I always wanted. So why am I exempt? And right. so it was super defining for me because he was just so great gracious and so modest (laughs) and so happy right to the very end
0: oh boy well it was a loss for sure um yeah he leaves a big empty hole but it is funny you know you lose in your lifetime you lose so many different people and there are some who you know you remember them all but there are some that in every day you you have little moments that remind you of them, whether you were close to them or not. And mm-hmm. Uncle Paul was one of them because he was such a big personality. Yeah. That, like we talk about music um, often in this family, I would say. And, you know, Uncle Paul, I cannot hear a Bob Seeger song no. I can't hear John Prine. I can't hear the Beatles. I remember <laughs> my own wedding, God, many yeah. years ago, and yeah. going to your dad um, to ask him if he could help me, you know, yes. narrow down a song that I wanted to play at my wedding. I remember that very well. And mm-hmm. Your dad took you know my ex um, took him out for his stag night. <laughs> um, there's just so many there's so many big things but I whenever I hear music I think of your dad like it's mm-hmm. just it's impossible not to but it is uh, every big, grocery yeah. store
1: every grocery store makes me think of him every doctor's office makes me think of him um, because of the music that they play. it's all that like crazy. Soft, rocked like the
0: oldies so and I think of his record collection and (laughs) oh my god yes and I also whenever I I think of whenever I see Will I've got to say Will is terrified of bees (laughs) and (laughs) whenever Will runs away from a bee I have a flashback to a memory of going camping and your mom and dad brought you I don't think Cheeks was even born yet no because you would have been a baby or a toddler And there was a bee, and your dad went absolutely crazy (laughs) trying to protect you from this bee. Like, he was not himself. He was, like, (laughs) he went out of body to try and save you from a bee.
1: But, anyway, I I think of so many
0: things. (laughs) Anyway, well, and so, aside from having that outlook, do you think that Mm -hmm. that outlook was imparted on you? Or do you think that came with time?
1: Oh, I think that I i was doing it without knowing it while i was in survival mode right (laughs) and then once it had passed and he had passed i was able to then reflect back and go holy moly you know like i I did pretty good (laughs) right i did pretty good and um so yeah (sighs) okay all right so where do you go on to your well so this this is a good segue so my dad and all of that stuff and just really understanding life and understanding how fleeting it is and hearing the things he would say and how grateful he was for his family i just started realizing that my decision to be with matt was no longer serving me right and um that At the end of the day, I felt as though he and I getting married and he and I continuing our relationship was based on boxes that I was checking. Right. Like, next, you get married. (laughs) Right. And he wasn't your person. He was not my person. No. 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 (sighs) And so, the next (laughs) one would be (laughs) my decision to... End that relationship and get a divorce.
0: Right. And again, here you kind of go back to that whole thing of humility and ego. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. those are big words. But to say that's not an easy thing to do when you are a young person. Mm -hmm. Because I would say you were young, definitely. Like, how old were you?
1: Um, (laughs) So I was 24 when I got married. um, And so I was 26. 26. I guess when I had decided that I didn't want to be in that anymore.
0: Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. You still have to tell people that probably still haven't sent you the wedding gift (laughs) that (laughs) for real though. Right. Yeah, Totally. Gosh.
1: Well, and I think the other hard part too, is at that point you had now moved out of Calgary. Yeah. And, um, I was so preoccupied with my dad being sick uh, that I was in Calgary for periods of time. And then I was back in Ontario for two, three months at a time.
0: Right.
1: Um, and my ex was just not very supportive. Uh, right. And he wasn't very kind through that period of my life. And so um, when I came back after my dad had passed away and I came back, one, he didn't even come to my dad's funeral, um, which is so crazy to me. But two, um, I also came back and I felt like I was living with a stranger because for two years I had been living in Ontario for three or four months at a time every couple months.
0: Right. So it
1: was, it was very necessary, but it was also really, really, really lonely Um, in a house with somebody and so that was the end of that but it meant that and it was such a defining moment it meant that I was now venturing into the world of Calgary on my own
0: right right and really on your own I'm not there and really on my own yeah yeah okay all right so that takes you to the third one so it's my third well here's my question I know what it's like Um, to be in a marriage and for it to end under very different circumstances however I also know that whether or not it's your choice or it's the other person's or it's both of yours there still comes a moment where you kind of have to make the decision that you're going to live with the choice and that you're going to move forward from the choice and where do you think if you're the one that kind of made that move or even if it's that he made the move like I don't care who made the move but where you make the move to kind of announce it to the world and go forward. How did you, do you think that you pulled from a place of strength or was it blind courage where you're like, I'm just going to go for it? Yeah, Cause that's big. That's mm-hmm. really big.
1: Um, you know what? It came from a place of necessity. And I'm also right. very on it. Like I'm a really, <laughs> I'm an open book. If you, if you get me for 20 minutes, you probably know, three big things about me that (laughs) it takes other people years to find out. Right. Right. So it wasn't hard for me. I felt like, you know, I had nothing to hide. I had done nothing wrong. And, um, like at that period of time, of course there, there, our relationship dissolved because there were two people involved, but, um, my decision to leave was not, um, it was nothing to be shameful about in my opinion. It was totally a necessity for my happiness, and I think ultimately his happiness, he might not have known it at the time, and um, and so that was that, and I just, because I knew there was somebody out there for me in the way that my dad was out there for my mom.
0: Right, right. Isn't that interesting? It's just... <laughs> It's interesting, I say interesting, because we're so different. Mm -hmm. And we're so different in that, because I don't have that inner, I don't have that inner voice that would have told me that. Right. But that's a whole other conversation. So it's not about (laughs) me. So (laughs) let's, let's go on to your last one, your last one. My last
1: one. So I'll do a little bit of a fast forward through (laughs) (laughs) after the divorce because I kind of need some information, like some stuff to lead up to it. But I, I was, I filed for separation. Matt and I were not living together. Um, And I, by accident, met my now fiance. So um, he was a dad of three at the time. They were 16, nine and four. And um he was just such a good dad and and he was just we just crazy clicked like he was the person that I think I was looking for and thing right. and we had a, a he, we had an awesome relationship like there was super it was very transparent. We were going through similar things m- me minus the kids. We had walked very similar lives. there were things that were so parallel to each of us that we didn't even have to fill each other in. Like,
0: it was just like,
1: Hey, you're here. Hey, you're here. We've lived the same lives. We can literally just start today and there's nothing to catch up on. Right. And, uh, it was just instant connection. And he is my person and was my person at the time is my person still. And, uh, but then fast forward, um, 10 months after meeting him he was in a car accident that uh he was the driver that ultimately ended up um his passenger ended up passing away and another passenger in his vehicle uh had severe um bodily I think it was like bodily harm was the term um And he ended up serving time in jail as a result due to being over the legal limit. So the next defining moment in my life is my fiance going to jail.
0: And when you say defining moment, and I know this from your blogs, especially, Mm -hmm. that has that's been something that in a way and I think that and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think mm-hmm. you've almost embraced it in a way because what else are you supposed to do? Do you live in shame with that? Totally. Or do you embrace it and kind of not only put, your, put it out there in the world, because I don't think you're showcasing no. it to the world. No. But you're being open about it because you're trying to work through it and work through the feelings of it and showing compassion for other people going through other things that are you know equally out of their control <laughs> totally um because you you were not a player in all of that and yet you're still mm-hmm. a major role in that because mm-hmm. of your association so totally how did you I
1: mean I think at the time um I operated out of fear and shame and guilt and I hid and I was worried about how people would perceive me <laughs> Um, or would perceive, mostly perceive him because I knew him. My family hadn't even met him. Right. Um, my closest friends in Calgary had met him. My best friends in Ontario hadn't. And so explaining to somebody that he's a great person who makes these crazy decisions, <laughs> it just doesn't compute. And people really were pretty judgy it, because they loved me and didn't know him so I wouldn't say that the, the before the accident we were great during the accident I definitely lived in shame and guilt but the after and going through it I realized I I was not there I was not part of it I wasn't part of the decision making that night um and the only choice i legitimately made in that entire situation was to love somebody through something really hard
0: right right and
1: i guess at the core you know that's that's really kind of my motto is you can always choose love you can always choose love and it might be hard and it might break you and it might <laughs> put you on your knees in tears but you can always choose love
0: and it can also cause the you know (laughs) regrettable kind of severance of other relationships with that choice 100 percent and you know i and i don't know if i'm right or wrong here either but now you're making a big decision that also factored in children who have now become a part of you And that would not have been an easy thing to not take into consideration, you know? Uh, Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I operated out of just survival initially and I made decisions that I didn't really think through or understand what it would mean for the long haul (laughs) Um, because I just wanted to support him. At that time I had a relationship with the kids on weekends. Mm -hmm. I saw them when he played baseball on Sundays I saw them sometimes on Tuesdays when we'd go to the mall. But that was my relationship with the kids up until the accident. And at the moment of the accident, I then moved in (laughs) to his mom's place and had the kids half of the time. And it then was my responsibility as the sole driver in our house to get the kids everywhere they needed to be and be the sole breadwinner so that the kids could have all their needs met.
0: So you became you became ultimately the the one way that he could maintain a family relationship 100 percent. so yeah that's a big that's a big thing to carry for sure yes (laughs) so where would you you know because I think about that a lot and I think I know someone else I can think of someone else who I won't name but I I know someone else who's made a big decision that that decision severed the relationships with many other friends, many other long time friends as well, mm-hmm. and you can bury yourself in a relationship and make a choice out of love, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that and say to hell. I was going to swear, but I'm trying to stop myself. To hell with it all. To hell with it all. But to hell with all of you. I am in this with this person, and I'm okay with turning my back on my whole life. Mm -hmm. and you and I don't know again if this is what you did but in the moment that you made the decision to stay I would guess that you're kind of bracing yourself for thinking that's what you might have to do but ultimately yeah and so what got you to the place where now you made the decision you're kind of like to hell with everybody else as long as I'm here for him and and these kids and this family how -hmm. did you then because a lot of people don't look backwards and they then they become resentful of the people that they <laughs> severed the relationship with totally. you know but you yep. found a way to kind of bridge that gap again with some of those or I'm assuming or all of them the relationships again so how did you get to that point because that takes growth to do well, that well I,
1: I think that all of the defining moments in my life leading up to that prepared before that so right in moving across the country, it prepared me for having distance with people I love with my dad being diagnosed with ALS. It prepared me to see what was truly important in this world um, and lean on what was important in this world. And with my divorce, it made me realize that my happiness should, should always be at the forefront of my decision-making. And so with those three things combined, When this big, huge, terrible, catastrophic um, event happened, I was already kind of in a position to know that, you know, my happiness is important. And it's okay if people aren't with me every day. And it's okay if um, maybe people don't understand it, but the people who I love the most and cherish the most, if they don't today understand it, in time,
0: they will right right well I honestly think this one could be talked out for another hour but I can't believe it's almost (laughs) been an hour (laughs) I know well I've got to say like my takeaway from all of that and I've got a lot I think that again you saying that all of those moments kind of brought you to this place what I think is interesting is you're still how old did you say 33 34? 30. I'll be 34 this month. Oh, yes you will. So you you'll be 34 and you've got a lot of life left. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea what's in store this. <laughs> you could have 20 more defining moments, right? Like you yep. really don't know. Yeah. Um and I think that it's interesting because I think every person, you know, that le- that lesson might serve you well but that lesson may not serve someone like me well right no. or someone else because mm-hmm. that would definitely not be my driving force you know like nope. make- and i i think that's what i find so fascinating about talking about this with people is everybody's got their own kind of view of the world and i think they're all is equally valid for sure mm-hmm. um so i want to ask you a couple of quick little quick questions just okay For interest's sake. So we talk about choose your own after just like the choose your own adventure books back in the day. (laughs) And this isn't entirely like choose your own adventure. But I just want to ask you quick, maybe in a line or two, if you could answer these. So of those four moments that you described, would you change any of them? Like if you had your way to go back and rewind, would you? And why? No, I didn't think so. didn't think so. (laughs) I didn't think so. Even like, I know that sounds harsh, even where your dad yeah. is concerned, but yeah, I get it. I get That's it. the
1: one in my brain for a sec I got stuck on. Yeah. But no, like, I, I honestly think that everybody's kind of already got something written out there. And there's a purpose and reason for all mm-hmm. of it. And it's brought me to right now, today.
0: Right. And I can also see how you wish it didn't happen that way, but it doesn't mean that... Um, you would necessarily change it. So, no, I get that. Yes. Okay, here's a choice for you, multiple choice. Would you rather read a book, <laughs> listen to a podcast, or watch a film or a television show?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: That's hard, eh? Oh. I read an interesting stat today, by the way, that said that podcast listeners, that the percentage of podcast listeners um, is really based on readers, that yeah people who do not listen to podcasts are not readers yeah which i thought was really interesting so i think we're kind of because i'll lump myself in the same category all of those are hard because i absorb content in all those different ways you know totally do and i don't um uh, you know
1: probably a book
0: yeah good good answer good yeah. answer
1: i mean i love podcasts and i feel like connected to people because you can hear the emotion right but like books may make me feel something
0: totally different than nothing else does like transport i use them because it transports me somewhere else it gives me that little break yeah from life not that i need escapes necessarily but i also feel like i'm learning so i feel like with every book i learn something new that i bring into the world with me you know i totally agree but, all right. And I want to know, where do you find your most inspiration? Like in all those tough kind of moments, would you say that you get them from quotes or bios from people in history? Would you draw from people that you know now? Mm-hmm. Do you get it from good therapy or <laughs> did you get it from your own life? Oh, I mean,
1: it's a combo. <laughs> I know. I know. My biggest inspiration um I would say people I know
0: right right well and my answer is pretty clear since that's why I'm doing this podcast (laughs) (laughs) okay my next one um if you didn't have to factor in the relationships that you've built where would you choose to live Calgary or Ontario
1: if I didn't have to factor in the current people in my life.
0: Yes. People excluded. So just based on. Yeah. Just based on the location. Oh, I know.
1: Um, I would pick Calgary.
0: Very good. Very good. Now here's. Here is a question that I'm. I've got a bias in. So which would you choose? Hard cider <laughs> beer, wine, or a bellini from Ranchmans. Oh, rest in peace, Ranchmans. Rest in peace. Um the
1: most uh,
0: I would say a beer a beer. Oh my gosh, that's so disappointing. Okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> okay, and my last question here is if you couldn't stay in your current role, if you could not be in this line of work, what yeah. career would you choose? A public speaker.
1: Um 100%.
0: Interesting. Okay. So, back in the day, I would have said an actress for oh. sure <laughs> yeah theater, and not yeah. not just not just because of your personality but because that was your passion you know that yeah. was your thing
1: yeah so do you You think- know what's so funny so yes so my passion is definitely I love theater I love theater so much I love reading anyways it doesn't matter but I <laughs> <laughs> but um yes and but I always wanted to do something kind of public speakery, and I always like I loved watching people, you know, do TED talks and
0: right. do these
1: like little spiel things. And I remember saying to my very very good friend and colleague Trish, I'm gonna say her name. Hopefully she's okay with it. Um, before my divorce before my dad got sick before (laughs) before everything had happened in my life and I said I want to be a public speaker but nothing's happened to me yet that makes me relevant (laughs) right and she has said to me she's like I think you put that into
0: into the universe manifested it oh my god manifested things to talk about well there you go that's that's a sign and you know the nice thing about public speaking is that you can absolutely do it in tandem with another career it does not have to be one or the other so go for it go for it if uh your dad taught you anything and you talk about life being fleeting then you should be going for it <laughs> yeah it's true it's gotta true. love covid <laughs> oh god <laughs> we'll yeah. figure that part out after well the, it's interesting because there's a lot of public speaking that is happening you know online and virtually so that's totally true well michelle thank you very much i thank think you. that that was a good um inaugural kind of interview so thank you very much for doing <laughs> that with me and for anybody listening, we'll probably hear from Michelle again, because Liza, um, who we had hoped would be kind of the backup, it's just a lot to coordinate at the moment. So we might be using um, different friends to kind of co-host with me as we interview going forward. And Michelle will likely be one of them because she is available and she's got the great voice for it (laughs) so um you'll hear from her again so if you haven't already please go to uh our willow jack website which you can find in the notes associated with the podcast and you can look up michelle's blogs that she's written up till now so thank you, Michelle. Thank you. That was fun. See, that all wasn't right. scary. That wasn't scary at all. No, that wasn't it was scary super at fun. all. <laughs> until <laughs> we listen to it again, until we listen and find all our mistakes. That's right. Anyway, okay. You have a good night. We'll talk to you yeah. later. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye, everyone. A dummy, 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 dummy. Mm-hmm. This has been a Willowjack podcast, Choose Your Own After, published on September 9, 2021. Interviewed by Stacey Haley,
1: special guest, Michelle Devine. Sound effects, William Haley, produced by Liza McClelland. As a postscript to this episode, we respectfully beg for your forgiveness about the Willowjack pups, Winnie and Rosie, barking and making nightmare noises in the background of today's episode.
0: As promised, we will never be perfect, but we will always be real.
1: Oh, yeah.